Welcome to the Hawkeye Psychic Podcast. And you're very welcome back to the Hawkeye Psychic Hurling Podcast with your host Mark Kennedy, joined this week by Rory Walsh and James Mulcair. How are things, guys? Very good, Mark. Good, Mark, yeah. How are you keeping? Yeah, very good, very good. I suppose we'll review the preliminary quarterfinals of the Senior Hurling Championship last weekend. Two good contests uh, in Corrigan Park and in Tralee. Uh, but we had inevitable results with Cork and Wexford advancing. We'll look at that. We'll also look at the upcoming All-Ireland Senior Quarter Finals. There could be a certain disciplinary process debate ensuing during that section. And also, if we have time, we'll also look at the All-Ireland Minor Semi-Finals that are up for decision this weekend. Suppose, guys, maybe we'll start with the preliminary quarterfinals. Uh, James, might come to you first. Corrigan Park in Belfast was packed to the rafters. See Antrim entertain Cork. What were your impressions of the Cork performance? They didn't start off very well, to be honest with you. They um, they looked like a team that maybe to me that um, they were maybe overlooking the game. Um, they were, I thought there was a lack of intensity there, and they kind of reverted to sort of bad habits where they were, you know, trying to spray it around. Like, like almost you nearly kind of think them like they're the Harlem Globetrotters at times the way they were spraying it around and when they were trying to walk the ball into the net when there were, were points on. And to me, it looked kind of nearly like a. They didn't treat Antrim with the respect that they, you know, that they should have early on, and um, Antrim kind of fed off that. Now there was a very strong wind, I suppose, but um, Antrim fed off that. Like, and Malai popped up with um, a couple of scores from midfield. I thought that defensively Cork were in a bit of bother in that first half. They kind of isolated Downey. Obviously, they conceded, you know, two goals conceded uh, or four four goals in the first twenty minutes, but Cork conceded two goals and. They looked a bit open there defensively, bar maybe Joyce, who, who was solid. But Dunwood who didn't play, and they looked, he was kind of a loss back there. And like at half time, uh, Antrim were leading by a point and full rally for that. Actually, they probably could have been three or four points up. Second half, then obviously Cork had the wind. Uh, they kind of went a bit like their forward line was quite poor in the first half, bar Conley and Lehan, and to a lesser extent, O'Flynn. Like Kingston was anonymous, he was, he was taken off. He's kind of becoming a little bit of an, an enigma in that, you know, he could be good one week, uh, shoot the lights out, and the next week then he can be quite poor and he's taken off. And he nearly seems to, like, it's it's a bit of a conundrum there, really, for Kingston, for for Kingston Senior, in that, like, he's nearly, he nearly, he offers more nearly coming off the bench than he does starting. Um, so I, I don't really know what, like, it'd be interesting to see now for uh, this weekend, um, it, does he start or does he, or does he drop back to the bench? But in the second half, then um, Cork kind of got on top, and Antrim kind of I suppose it kind of ran out of ran out of steam really um, towards the end, um, and like the last ten minutes, then Cork pulled away. But you never felt like the Cork were in trouble, like they were going to lose it. But it was patchy performance, I suppose. Really, is the overall kind of um, take take away from us. But you know, I think you said it's uh, the other day, Mark, is that they might actually stand to Cork better than had they gone up there and, you know, shot the lights out and hammered Antrim that they might be going in there on Saturday thinking, you know, that everything's great and everything's rosy. Um, whereas there's something for them to work on during the week, something for management to kind of hammer them on. And um, they got a reasonable test and, uh, you know, it kind of um, sets them up, I suppose, nicely for going into the weekend. Yeah, absolutely. Rory, my bringing you in there, uh, what stood off you in that fixture? Yeah, I think last week we kind of, well, I predicted that uh, the Cork forward line would cause, you know, serious problems for the entry back line, but probably overlooked Cork's frailties at the back themselves. And as James said, 
Antrim did expose that weakness in the first half. And it did. It made it made for a, a much more competitive game than the game in Chile. The fact that Antrim were causing serious problems for the Cork backline. And just looking forward at Cork, you're wondering is that Cork's Achilles heel going forward? Because they seem to have got their mojo back up front with Conor Lahan, you know, coming back into big form this year and give, giving a big boost to the forward line. Yeah, funny with Kingston as well. You just wonder, uh, is it working the hypnotist to hypnotise him into thinking that he's coming on as a substitute as he starts? Because it's like Jekyll and Hyde, his performance is off the bench. He causes, he's such an impact player. And I can see then why management think, okay, if we can get him doing this over 70 minutes. But it just doesn't happen from from the start. It's a strange one. Um, it kind of mirrors Cork, doesn't it? A little bit. You know, Cork are a bit inconsistent as well. And it, like, is he's... He has the attributes, so it's it's a bit of a mystery for me, like why why um, he doesn't seem to have that same impact when he's starting, and like I don't, it's obviously showing in training because he wouldn't be picking him otherwise. So it's it's a weird one, yeah. It, it's 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 very like last year. You think even last year, and I mean, the semi, he was dropped for the semi final against Kilkenny, and he came on, and he was like, it was unbelievable when he came on and turned the game for them. So um, I don't know, yeah. It, it, it's 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 one that's. Um, they haven't been able to figure out just yet, anyway. And uh, from Antrim, with Keelan Malloy is outstanding. He got a, a, the score in the first half where he sold it up the pitch, flicked it over, controlled it again, <laughs> and took it down. Outstanding score. And uh, that's the one thing I suppose people say, do the Joe McDonough champions deserve to arrive this late in the championship? But like, then it's a great way of show, showcasing these players as well against the top teams like it's when when guys do it in the Joe McDonough Cup there is an element of oh well they were up against another Joe McDonough when they're doing it against the likes of Cork um, Wexford the top counties like it, you know it just shows the, the skill level of these players um, so that's one bonus of the game and I think as well when we're looking back on it the week of a gap wasn't uh, very fair to either team because both Kerry and Antrim would have been like they wouldn't have even been looking at, at that game they'd have been looking at the Joe McDonough final and that's what they'd have been building for for weeks and then after the game, I'm sure both teams would have had a, you know, a celebration of sorts. Antrim, of course, celebrating the the win. Kerry, of course, even just looking back over their campaign and having a few drinks, and then having to pick yourself up then for a team that are raring, you know, chomping at the bit. Uh, Cork after their, you know, on a high after the win over Waterford, Wexford after their famous win in Northern Park, and both those teams, you know, coming to town and just having to pick yourself back up for a huge game like that. It is a tough one. And um, I think Antrim, you know, performed better, to, closer to, to their potential than Kerry did. The goals, of course, helped Antrim as well, whereas Kerry not getting an early goal, you know, kind of let that gap drift out, drift out until it was, you know, unmanageable then. But um, yeah, Antrim, again, we, we kind of in the league, they showed that they were capable of really competing with the top teams, especially up in Corrigan Park. So it was great that they did that in championship. I know they fell away at the end. And kind of that last goal, last book of the game did put, you know, an unfair look to the scoreline because they really shoved it up to Cork for, you know, 50 minutes. And I think I agree with you as well. Just that will stand to Cork more than having kind of maybe what Wexford had down in Tralee. Yeah, absolutely. And in fairness, uh, James, again, the continued resurgence of Dar- Darren Skidden. Again, very prominent, 1-3. I suppose that bodes very well for Cork coming into the weekend against Galway. His, yeah, he he's been kind of he's been a bit patchy though. He's been you know he's kind of up and down in games. Um, the first half went great now the last day, but they, they did come into it in the second half. But then you're thinking, you know, is that more down to Antrim tiring? Because no better man then if you know if legs are tiring than with the pace he has than, than Fitzgibbon. But just even getting back to your point there, um, Rory, on the uh, on the scheduling of the games, 
I think just overall the um, the GA haven't shown a lot of love to to Antrim and Kerry. Like they had the launch of the championship last week and they didn't even like they're still in the championship at that point. They weren't even there, like and um, you know you're then looking at like it's it's not we're we're knockout territory now and you're you know there are two games to qualify for the quarterfinals and there's no TV coverage you know no no stage like it's all gone into the Talton Cup and whatever else is on but like you're looking the only game like the only way and even when it came on GA Go it was only that was only announced quite late so you think like there was a bit of a backlash there it seemed to be people kind of annoyed us you know there was no no coverage of it even on the radio um they they were covering uh. The, I don't even know the name of the tournament actually the, the rugby tournament that was on and um, I thought like um, if you're trying to promote the game and you're trying to give you know you're trying to bring along the likes of uh, Antrim and Kerry uh, I thought it was a bit you know a bit disrespectful uh, to the two of them and you'd like to see that you know that they they could have covered those games um, I know maybe you know they have higher priorities Sky and, and, and RTE did but just disappointed overall with them the way they were treated in the in the last couple, and then as I said, like the um, the scheduling, then was you know just a week after they played Joe McDonough, not fair in the meter. So there's a number of things really the GA could look at, um, if they're serious about, um, you know, promoting um hurling in the, in these counties. I agree, James. I suppose the first thing they can do next season is to put the finalists with Joe McDonough in a photo shoot, down in Lockmore Castle Line or wherever they're going to put a photo shoot on, uh, for starters. Give him a bit of respect because it certainly didn't happen. But in fairness, tantrum, it was a it was an admirable display. Given I think the quick turnaround, as you said, guys, and uh, yeah, like Ian Malloy, McNaughton, they were very prominent. I mean, they dominated kind of the the, the middle period of that opening half. I mean, they shot ten wides there as well, which you know a few of them go over. James, I think you're kind of if you're a Cork fan, you're probably a little bit worried at half time, but. Given that there was only a point in the difference, you know, Cork were always going to come back. And Robbie O'Flynn, I thought, was huge for Cork in that opening period when things weren't going according to plan for Cork. Robbie O'Flynn chips in with four points there just to stem the tide. So, again, another guy here, James, that it'll be on top form for next weekend. He's a bit of an unsung hero, I think. Like, he, he kind of gets through, but his work rate is good, you know, generally when, when like, um, that line has been sort of uh, malfunctioning for Cork at times. But, like, the, like him, Lehan, and Cotton. Actually, Conley's another guy that's you know was good again the last day, and he's kind of given Cork a bit of a another dimension in that full forward line. They were a bit, you know, it's kind of in terms of uh, ball winners and competing aerially, it was kind of Hardy, and that was it really. But Conley has offered something different up there in the full forward line, and he's you know he's he's come in there like he he's come into a team that wasn't um, performing well. You know, he came in there with the Waterford game, and he's made the full forward position his own now. Where you're thinking like he's certainly be starting again, full forward the, the next day against Galway, and he's made a big difference. And Lehan as well. Like those three were, yeah, they kind of um, kept the show on the road for them in that first half because I think the rest of the forwards weren't great. Now, to be honest with you, you know. I suppose all in all, though, James, you know, gets you into the next round, the All Ireland quarter final. And as well as that, Wexford going down to Austin Stack Park, Derry Egan, very complimentary of Austin Stack Park, the facilities to pitch. And also the Kerry challenge, particularly in that first half, but I suppose the 10 points just before halftime for Wexford really opened up the game here, Rory. And really, there was no way back for Kerry in that second half. Yeah, and I suppose from a Wexford point of view then, they gave Derry Egan a chance to just get another game at that 
settled team because there was very little change from from the team that went to Nolan Park. And we know before that they had players coming back from injury and, and whatnot. So just getting that game with a settled team before they they met um, the Munster runners-up, which is clear now, um, you know, it, it, it's still a worthwhile run out for them in that sense. And um, yeah, it, it sets up for an intriguing battle this weekend and the whole, um, which we're going to get onto in a bit, the whole disciplinary saga as well kind of a, a t- really tease up these both these quarterfinals. Look, from a, a, a carry perspective, like, uh, as we mentioned, it was always going to be tough. And also for the team that, that loses the final, you have to pick yourself up from the disappointment of it. And the fact there was only one point in it against Centrum, it was going to be a tall order. And uh, as we mentioned earlier, you're playing a team that are kind of coming in on an up as well, um, who are probably looking at, at a bigger game down the line as well. Um, but yeah, I, I still think it's very worthwhile doing these games and if there was the proper respect shown and maybe the gap shown and, and time given for uh, Kerry and uh, Antrim to prepare properly, like you, you as we saw with, with Antrum, uh, had they, you know, a couple, another go to for half time, given them something to hold on to, there could be a shock on the cards eventually at this, you know. Um, so yeah, they're, they're well worth the, their game. And I did look, it's a huge incentive as well for the Joe McDonough champions to take on a, a team in the Lee McCarthy Cup and the finalists as well. So it's it's a huge carry for them. Yeah, I suppose the barometer is there for Kerry now. That kind of sampling of intercounty at the highest level, you know, it was a home fixture in Austin Sack Park. I think it was decent attendance as well, James. And I suppose an awful lot to build on for Stephen Lumpy and the rest of the squad going into next season, maybe getting over the line and uh, hopefully competing in this kind of competition in a provincial championship in not too distant future. Yeah, I think we've touched on this obviously in previous podcasts, but um, the unfortunate thing for Kerry is that at the moment, the, you know, like we say, Antrim won the Joe McDonough and they're up into Leinster next year. So they get a chance to build on that, whereas Kerry are kind of, you know, even if they had won, they would have been playing a playoff game with Tip, which they were unlikely to win anyway. Um, I know Tip are obviously bad this year. So they would have been in the Joe McDonough again next year. And um, so you're kind of thinking then, like, what's the. Other than winning the Joe McDonough, what's the incentive for them there? Um, other than collecting silverware, what's the incentive for them there? That they're, you want to bring them on, and not to be harping on about this again, but they, they do need to look at that at that decision really. That um, you know, to, to open up Munster and let them in, because um, that's where they're that's what's going to bring them on more than you know more than back into Joe McDonough again next year. To, you know, um, you feel like this because like Antrim had, Antrim have been kind of. They've been competitive all year throughout the league. You could see that the league they were able to build on that, and um, and they'll go into Leinster next year now and come on again. You would you would hope. Whereas uh, Kerry just don't uh, until they change that. Uh, it's 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 kind of difficult to see how they can you know make that step up to the next to the next um, to the next level for them. I think that's one thing, James, straight away that the GA can do for next year because everybody I think was in agreement that if Kerry had beaten Antrim that they didn't deserve to end up in a playoff game. They should have been promoted straight into a six. County Munster and whether then the G- Munster GA wanted to give Kerry home advantage for their games, that was a, a separate decision. But in case it happens next year, if Kerry end up winning the, uh, Joe McDonough next year after being in the final this year and then, you know, not get promoted, it would be, you know, it would be farcical, I think. Um, and look, uh, if they go into a Munster, proper Munster Championship and it turns out that they're way off the standard of it, they'll just go back down to Joe McDonough again anyway, but at least give them the chance. Totally agree. Rory, just in terms of Wexford, I suppose the, the winning margin here, damned if you are, damned if you don't from Wexford. Again, they avoided that Westmead banana skin, I suppose, fixture. 
but I suppose Lee Chin with 14 points, 10 frees, 165. Conor McDonald chipping in with 1-3. Rory O'Connor with 1-4. I suppose another, as you say, good performance from Wexford, building a bit of momentum heading into the weekend against the Banner. Yeah, and uh, it's kind of that aerial threat you'd be a bit worried about uh, up front because, as we know, Conor McDonald really strong in the air, Lee Chin as well, and... Uh, last year, when Clare played Wexford and Thurless, Wexford set up really defensively. And at some stages, it was hard to see anybody in the full forward line. But that's going to be different, I think, under Egan. They'll be a bit more direct, as we've seen. They'll mix it up. They'll still play short, but go, they can go along and direct. And it might cause problems for, for the Clare full back line. Uh, and as we said, they're coming in now with a bit of confidence as well. And uh, with, with kind of a clean injury slate, um, you know, as Kieran is pointing out, then you have uh, the both Rec brothers are now kind of fit for selection. Um, which, you know, is a huge boost to them as well. Roy O'Connor has, has started off slowly in the championship, has really come into form, caused Clare huge problems up in Innes in the league that day and was kind of the difference between the sides. Um, yeah, Lohan, I remember afterwards, you know, was kind of kind of harsh words for Rory Hayes and we saw how, how he responded from that. And we know uh, Rory Hayes had a bit of a, you know, a poor game on, on, on Flanagan the last after being excellent in the previous games. So hopefully from uh, he reacts like he did from that uh Wexford League game and comes out, you know, because Clare going to need to keep Rory O'Connor quiet. He can turn the game. He has that ability. He's one of these special players. Um, no more so than, than Tony Kelly on our side and Shane O'Donnell, but he has that ability, you know, to turn a game in a moment. And Clare just really needs to keep an eye on him. And as we just said, he is hitting form right now. Chin was, Chin, Chin was excellent. And he, he, he like, I suppose it's the ideal game for Wexford as well in that game. You, you know, obviously, Chin is still working his way back, and um, with every game, he's looking he's looking better now. And yeah, they're they're in Wexford are in kind of fine fine enough Vettel going into that uh, going into that clear game. The only thing I will say is that um, they haven't really obviously they did well to come out of Leinster, given but they had like it's only the Kilkenny game really is all we're going on that they were good in that Kilkenny game. We've nothing else like they're poor. I thought against Galway. And lucky to get a result. They lost against Dublin, drew against Westmead, it, uh, beat Leash, but and yeah, then obviously won through again. So, so I'm not really sure where. Mm-hmm. I'm not really sure where they where, where we stand with them at the moment. I think there's a bit bit of a like it'd be interesting to see what what happens at the at the weekend. Um, I, I'd still have. They haven't really shown me that they've recovered um, sufficiently from um, from that um, league semi final um, scutcheon that they. You know, got it hands of Waterford. They're still, you know, they were, as I said, they were good against Kilkenny, but Kilkenny were extremely poor on the day, um, that day as well. And they kind of, they kind of played into Wexford's hands. Yeah, and Wexford historically raised it against Kilkenny, like in this team. They do, like, yeah. Kilkenny. And they're, like Kilkenny were really, uh, they were really predictable, really one dimensional. And, um, you know, they kind of made it, I'd say they made it easy because never, never easy to win in Nolan Park, but they, they did make it relatively easier than what it should have been for for Wexford. So, yeah, big test for them now at the weekend um, uh, against a clear side that's coming in. With I don't think they'll have lost any momentum. Like, you know, if anything, their stock has risen after they, after, I know they're obviously very disappointing to lose it, but, I mean, they true, like, they went... You know, they, they went toe to toe with Limerick um, for, you know, the 70 minutes and then the extra time as well. I know they did run out of steam a little bit in extra time, but, uh, you know, you're if you're Lohan, you're going into that um, quarter final very confident still, I would have thought that, you know, you have gone, 
you've you've drawn with with like you're still you're still you take the extra time to feed out but they're still undefeated in championship uh, after 70 minutes they've um two draws at limerick in championship they're i think they're in a very strong place going into that um into that quarter final against wexford i'd um and you know lohan i'm sure obviously the, the the two lads are back now and free to play but i'm sure he would be creating a siege mentality no better man i'd say to you know to rally the troops and i would be expecting claire to be going in there primed for saturday i, I think they'll be i think they'll be very dangerous on saturday and i think duggan um like rory hayes at his best of course outstanding defender and he obviously having him available for section is a big boost and it'd be interesting to see who claire match him up with but Duggan is a huge one for Clare getting him back because he gives you that long ball direct option when you're under, you know, under pressure back. Even the the puck out, short puck out to the full back at Wexford Bull, you can go straight. Connor Cleary can launch one straight down on top of Duggan. He's just there all the time as that option. When he's not there, we don't have a like for like. Um, I know Shanahan is is really strong in the air, but he seems to have more of an impact coming in off the bench maybe. And I know he's he's fit to play now, um, fit for selection after being had a knock going into the Munster final. Um, so. Yeah, it's just that you're not replacing like for like. If Duggan was uh, to miss out, you're kind of maybe looking at maybe a Shane Meehan who's a different type of player and it might affect the way Clare play. And also the work rate Duggan gives Clare off the ball. Like he's been off the charts this year like and has just tormented defenders. Um, just Even just his long reach and able to get his legs and arms in and just disrupt things. And he's, he, in fairness, nobody can question like he, his work rate or his... Uh, his character, like he gives absolutely every ounce when he's out there and uh, probably does. It brings on others around him and kind of inspires them to do the same. So he, he that, I think that's a massive boost for Claire having Duggan available. Fabulous free taker as well, Rory. You know, yeah. he did step in for Tony Kelly there in the latter stages and he was deadly accurate. And you just wonder, will, will what will Claire do free-wise? Like, because as you know, yeah. Duggan is a real sharp shooter. Maybe they might go with uh, something like Limerick do have... Uh, Duggan on the inside freeze, Tony kind of on the on the longer edge. Um, but yeah, I suppose it is it is a good option that if, if plan A fails and free taking that you have another free taker. It's one, actually one thing over the years, Wexford have maybe struggled with a small bit of free taking. Lee Chin is this year has probably been his most consistent year with, over the last couple of games and freeze and through the league. But just remember going back a few years how sometimes in the big games free taking has has kind of let Wexford down. And um, we'll just see on Sunday whether that you know they have that nails because as we all know, like if you're not hitting ninety percent of your freeze at, at this level, like it's you know you're wasting scores. And uh, we saw that in the Munster final where usually unusually you had Burns on a day off and Kelly on a day off, and uh, it was just uh, you know very unusual to see both free takers you know being on a, on a day off at this level because like usually anything now from you know from from your own sixty five in is uh, nearly a nailed on score. There's no injury concerns really with uh, with Claire. There was, uh, obviously Kelly went off. There was just more cramp. You think you were saying so? Uh, they've a clean bill of health today for yeah, clean, clean bill of health. And from what I hear as well, Aidan McCarthy is um, you know has another two weeks training under his belt and could be available for selection as well. And I think he's another big boost. It was one thing against Limerick I thought was in at times in the second half we were struggling to win a high ball um, on the half forward line. And I was wondering about where they were going to bring Duggan out and you know just catch a clean ball. And, uh, you know, Aidan McCarthy gives you that and he gives you a bit of pace as well. So even if he was just uh, to come in as a substitute, like, it, you know, it does strengthen your subs bench having him there. He was, I thought he was excellent last year for Clare, his best year. And the only thing, as we said, he, he's obviously going to be rusty after missing like the whole year so far. 
But if they can gradually, you know, get, get him in and maybe if Clare can hopefully get over the line against Wexford, you're giving him another two weeks then into Larland semi-final because, you know, Clare are going to need everyone if they're going to, you know, go as far as they can in the competition. I think that bench impact as well, Rory, is going to be key for Clare. You just given the performance levels Sunday week last against Limerick, the two-week turnaround, any concern in the banner in terms of maybe energy levels not being quite there and, as you say, the bench not probably being used to the maximum by Brian Lohan uh, in the Munster final? I don't know. Like, two-week turnaround, like, these guys, I think it's more that's more of a mental issue. I don't think physically it's going to be a problem, like, with, with the kind of professional backroom setups these inter-county teams have now with their S&C teams like they'll have the players physically right it's just the whole emotional occasion of the Munster final and kind of having a team that in a way are coming through the long grass and hitting form as well kind of having a with a target on your back in a way because uh, Wexford will will no doubt see this as you know a game they can win and uh, will be you know see this as a great opportunity to get back into an Ireland semi-final where does it be a a good chance they'll be playing Kilkenny, who they've beaten already. And I think it's an open draw, actually, if, if the results work a certain way, isn't it? For the, I think if, Wex, if, if Wexford win and, uh, and Cork win, yeah, then it'd be... Uh, well, no, if Wexford win and Cork win, then Cork would play Kilkenny and Wexford would play um, Limerick. Okay. That's the way it works. That, I think that's the only... Because they, they'd look, be looking to avoid the repeat pairings, you see. And you can, you could, obviously, in that scenario. But then in the other scenario, I think it's... Yeah, look, if Wexford Galway win, Wexford will be playing Kilkenny, won't they? So like they'll see, yeah, 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 yeah. They're kind of looking at at a path to potential path to Ireland. But uh, so yeah, it is. It's going to be a tough one. And as we said, bench is going to be really important. And I think like the the funny thing we were we were talking about an injury crisis with Clare going through the league. But right now, every every week they seem to get another player off the treatment table, and it's just getting stronger for them. And yeah, I suppose like mentally and the whole lot as well. Like. will start certain players start feeling it a bit more but I think as well Tarlis is going to be a big advantage for Clare this is their fourth championship match there um this season like it, it's almost like a home ground from and uh as James pointed out like Clare on 70 minutes have been unbeaten with the championship they've been unbeaten in Tarlis as well going back uh over 70 minutes last year against Wexford as well and Waterford so it's a venue they like this team and uh, the venue they're very familiar with and I that has to mean something as well in you know, at this level now, our margins are going to be so tight. But it's not a venue that uh, Wexford will be particularly fond of. It's not really, a, um, it's a bit of a um, graveyard for, for Wexford. So that would be another advantage for Clare. I, I also think as well in terms of um, getting Clare's mentality right, you know, obviously big disappointment to the Munster final. I I think that the what happened with the, you know, the the suspensions, that could galvanise them. And, that, that, you know, the focus will go on, like, I'm sure Lohan would have played that, that um, you know, to create that siege mentality, and you know, all of a sudden, any disappointment of uh, the Munster final is, is, is gone. The two players are back now as well, and I think that will just refocus their minds, um, mm-hmm. help them get over the defeat um, a little bit easier. So, um, for me, everything is pointing towards Clare um, at this moment. And I know intercounty managers always talk about the process, and it's all about us. But I guarantee you. Um, any bit of advantage you can get, Lohan would be mentioning the close contacts fiasco from last I, year against Wexford. Hundred percent, hundred percent, yeah, yeah. That yeah. would have been anything at all that can, you know, especially after the defeat as well to fire up the troops again for the next round. He probably um, brought in ninety eight and everything at stage, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Any, anything that helps. But uh, look, uh, from a clear point of view, I suppose we're, again we're just delighted to be at 
hurling a you know, in the All Ireland series because um, probably a lot of people were, were kind of writing us off as a fifth team in Munster going into the championship this year. And as one of the last points out today, this is actually the first game in the bookie. The bookies have clear as a favourite. There were there were outsiders against Tipperary, outsiders against Cork. Same at Limerick up in Cusick Park, and and against Waterford due to the fact that Clare had kind of announced a, a weaker team. So this is uh, and obviously Munster finals is the first time they're favourite. So now. I presume the players aren't looking at odds and anything like that, but it does kind of change things when, when you are the like we know in Ireland teams thrive off being the underdog, like no more so than our international rugby team at times. Love that underdog kind of tag and status going in against a heavyweight team, and then um, we've seen it so often in GA as well, where the you know the underdog gets that extra bit of has that extra bit of kind of hunger and hearts going in. So it is kind of an unusual spot for for them to be in, being favourites going into a match, but um yeah with the way things are now with sports psychology and all that stuff you'd hope that it, it wouldn't get to them and i think claire are wary of the threat of wexford they as we said they were superb in nolan park and just one match i'll be interested in is lee chin and john conlon like i'm just kind of interested in what they'll do there because conlon uh, against limerick was superb in his delivery so like lee chin will want to play his own game at center forward and are wexford going to give john conlon that room then to to you know be like that quarterback style like because he's delivery a ball especially in the first half and um, you know really uh got the clear forwards kind of into the game and like lee chain clear will drop a midfielder maybe back to cover lee chain and it will leave john conlon free if he's at center forward so you wonder will egan maybe look to pop lee chain in and maybe onto the wings or even out to midfield for a spell and just kind of uh engage john conlon then with another uh, you know a player that will keep a closer eye on him um because, yeah, he was kind of the launch pad for a lot of clear attacks against Limerick, I thought. No, uh, I think the fascinating matchups. I think the other one probably is Tony Kelly. And if Damien Reck is given the man-marking job on Kelly, he's a very tight marker for Kelly around the place, but may create a bit of space. But then you may have McGovern coming back there as maybe a sweeper. So I think there's some fascinating matchups. I agree with you, James. I'm slightly edging this to Clare, purely because I'm not fully convinced with Wexford, just in terms of their form line. You know, one big performance in Nolan Park to me is not justifying favoritism here. Thinking maybe four or five points for Clare, but but uh, I, maybe we I can. So as well, Mark. Just sorry, I I think Clare as well, um, because even last year Clare beat Wexford comfortably. I thought, and we didn't have Shane O'Donnell, didn't have Duggan, like David Fitzgerald. I don't even think was making the team last year. At times he was on and off. This year he's a different player. Paul Flanning as well. Clare a lot stronger, I think, than they were this time last year, and um, I, I think that has to count for something, you know. Again, as we said, they, they did send Toto to Limerick. Is can they repeat that performance as well? And if Wexford got off to a whirlwind start, then that's when the questions will kind of be asked, you know. So a good start is imperative for Clare. And they kind of have, they have started well in all their games so far. Um, so hopefully, um, from a Clare point of view, anyway, that will happen. But uh, yeah, I, I'd agree with the two of you. I think Clare form line has been more solid. And uh, yeah, we'll, we'll, I'm a bit nervous now. There's a full house of us going with Clare, but... <laughs> Yeah, but as long as I think the clear legs are there, uh, Rory, I think that's the kind of the key, isn't it? I mean, mm-hmm. performance will probably take care of itself from a clear perspective. It's just that two-week window, but yeah, it should be fascinating watch anyway. I think, I think for me, if if Clare turn up with a with a performance, then I don't think it matters what Wexford do because Clare beat them. Uh, so for me, Wexford are going to have to play uh, excellently themselves, and Clare would have to be off the pace. So it's it's pointing to me, yeah, I four or five points clear it, I think. And another side factor, I suppose, is with the whole disciplinary spotlight. Like uh, Claire are going to have to be squeaky clean here in this as well, because um yeah, I have a feeling, you know, 
GA officialdom karma might be on the lookout, you know, for any sort of an incident to try and balance the universe again. So I think that's one thing Lohan will be instilling them is absolute discipline here because like all eyes are going to be on them here against Wexford. Um, so that's another kind of side story in it all. Yeah, more to follow there. I suppose, guys, we can quickly go to the Cork Galway game and then we maybe switch back on disciplinary process 101. But, uh, I mean, the Cork Galway game looks fascinating as well. That's the curtain raiser in Turles. I suppose Cork coming into this on the back of that preliminary quarterfinal result in Corrigan Park against the Galway team that have been quite around the camp here uh, based in Galway. Uh, But a fascinating matchup just given... The Cork's pace, Galway's physicality, and also that Cork full back line, Galway full forward line. I think there might be plenty of scores in this one, James. Yeah, it's. I'm kind of struggling to to read this one, to be honest with you. Um, it's if you're before the Leinster final, um, looking at who we could have faced uh, in the quarter final, someone that we got over like the preliminary round that you did. I would prefer to Kenny. Um, Galway is a team that we don't tend to in recent years we don't tend to match up with them very well and um, I'd be worried now they were Galway were really really poor the, uh, uh, against Kilkenny I, I couldn't believe how bad they were but Whelan is, is the concern for me he could do damage there in that full back line for Cork and I, I'm hearing that Sean Dunn who's out uh, and for me he's their best defender in that line and I'd be concerned if if Galway can get Whelan in there isolated and Downey, that's not a good, I don't think that's a good matchup for me. And um, I'd be concerned about that from a core point of view. But like you said there, Mark, the, the match, the, the contrast in style in Galway's physicality versus Cork's speed. If Cork get their their game plan implement, implemented where they're use, using their pace, they can get at Galway as well. And they, they can get, like, be interesting to see what's, like, because Lehan has been playing, you know, excellently and, um, He's shown a level of consistency there in the last few games, so he's probably a guy as well that's um, it's going to be interesting to see what Galway, uh, what 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 they look to do with him is like they put, uh, Mannion, um, like to see, you know, is that what they're going to be looking at doing depending on where he where he starts or what? It's I, I I find it very difficult to call it to be honest with you. Like the the work their Galway's work rate is you know is is better you'd say than the than the Cork. Um, the Cork forwards, but Connolly has made a big difference there. And another fellow I think he's made the, the other thing from Cork as well is do they start O'Mahony or do they start Horgan in that in that full forward line? I think you know you have Lehan, like Horgan's generally excellent on the freeze, but Lehan's also a very good free taker as well. So if you if you think that Lehan like can offer you what Horgan does on the freeze, then you're looking at you know work rate and the, you know, ability to to win ball. Then O'Mahony offers more um, than Horgan at the moment for me, and that's going to be an interesting one to see what the, what management do there. Um, I I would start I would start um, O'Mahony in the full forward line because um, I think he, he he just offers more. Work. I think Walker is going to be. I don't think Cork can afford to go in there and um, uh, you know slack off in, in in terms of work rate and intensity. I think they'll get more up front with O'Mahony there. Um, and then we were, we were talking earlier on. I'm not sure what he's going to do with Kingston. Is Kingston is, is Kingston going to start, or is he going to come off the bench? Like I, I, 
that couldn't call what he what he'll do there. He, he like he's he's kind of the kind of kind of guy. He's so inconsistent that he's good one week, um, and uh, bad the next week. So if he had his bad performance last week, maybe he's got a good performance in him this week. I don't know, um, but I, I it's I I, cu- I couldn't call it like Galway were so bad, but I I I'd be sure that there'll be a reaction in Galway. I I think they'd fancy it against Cork, but equally, um. You know, you could make a case for Cork winning as well. I think it's very, 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 very close to call. Um, I, I, I couldn't, I couldn't come. I, I maybe, you know, maybe like that's probably the, you know, the, the heart rooting the head um, have a slight leaning towards Cork, but I wouldn't be saying that with any, any, any real certainty at all. Um, it wouldn't surprise me either way. Um, if um, whichever team wins this. Rory, bring you in there in terms of goal. I suppose Henry Shefflin. Darn plenty off that Leinster final loss. He's probably seen his previous predecessors. When Galway got to a Leinster final, maybe not really performed their capability. I suppose from a Galway perspective, for Rory, what are the focus points to get a win on Saturday? Yeah, well, one thing I think James alluded to as well is Galway aren't going to have it as physical against Cork because Cork play a different style. Cork could be, you know, looking for a more open running game that'll suit them, whereas, uh, so Galway, that'll, in a way, will suit Galway as well, it'll free up, you'd imagine the likes of Mannion, who, are well, who was well marshalled against Kilkenny, is going to get freed up that bit more, and I think that's what Sheffield will be looking for this time, get his top players in possession, because he didn't do it in the Leinster final, um, like, like Brian Concannon's possessions minimum, um, and as we said, like, and Cahill Mannion, like, is an intriguing player, because we've all seen, you know, the skill level of the guy, he's uh, striking it, is incredible like he, he's accuracy uh, range of scores and just the fact he was so quiet in, in that Leinster final as well was was a huge plus for Kilkenny um, because he had the, you know he has that ability to hurt teams as we mentioned with other players before with your chins and Kelly's he has that too so I just you still look at that Galway team and you see um, like these guys if, if they do get that space and uh, like Connor Whelan has, has been their standout kind of consistent warrior this year every game he's played uh, you know, he he's the one guy that'll win dirty ball up there. He's pace, he's strength. You know, he 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 could be a real thorn in the Cork side. So Cork will really have to try and cut off the space in front of him, because I agree with James. Like uh, you don't want Downey one and one with space in front there with with Conor Whelan, because not only has has Conor Whelan that strength, he has a really you know sharp turn. He can turn a defender really quickly, and like that could spell goals. But I'm sure Cork like will will have. They'll have watched like the, the biggest danger Kilkenny faced what was Whelan. They'll have watched that and they'll be trying to, you know, close that space down outside him. Um so yeah, I, I just think it'll be like for Galway, it should, and I think that's what James worried about, it should suit the Galway style, the way Cork set up as well. And it makes for an intriguing game because like Cork's forwards have really hit form and those additions James talked about, your Connolly, uh you know, um Lahan coming in there, they've really kind of given a bit of life to the team. And even um there is competition for places with Kingston, O'Mahony, Horgan, these guys like, and um, which one, which one, which ones are going to start? We don't know. Um, I think Horgan coming off the bench like might offer more because um, rather than starting him, I know he's huge experience, but that experience could be vital in the last ten minutes. And we saw against Antrim when he came on, there was a couple of balls he got where he, he had that bit of space, like he's, you know, his ability as well, his striking ability again is score taken from kind of out around the 45 when the game opens up could be a huge, you know, huge swing of momentum for Cork and especially it'll lift the fans and everything when he does come on too, if the game's in the melting pot at that stage. Yeah, I, I just, I just sneaky feeling a Galway here. I know um, even the, a lot of the pundits I, I've seen so far this week are kind of going down in Cork's favour, probably because of Cork have picked themselves off the floor 
Like they were, they looked to be gone after the Clare match and then, you know, they responded really well and they're kind of going into this game now with momentum and Galway were so poor in the Leinster final. A lot of people are kind of have them written off now as saying, you know, like, is this the real Galway that we saw against Kilkenny? And, but I don't know, I, I think Galway, maybe I'm completely wrong here, but I just think Galway are better than that and that they underperformed as they often do. And with Henry Shefflin, like this is do or die stuff now. I think that he's going to get a better performance from them and they're going to need it because I see this one going right down to the wire as well. And I just have maybe a sneaky feeling for Galway. Um, again, and it's all based off conjecture really because you're guessing, you're, you're more or less looking at names and saying these guys can't be as bad again. And yeah, I just think, as I mentioned as well, I just think kind of the, the whole style of the game might suit them as well, a more open game might suit Galway. But yeah, I could be... Completely wrong, but I just have that feeling. Very, very, very tight to call. Um, mm. Too, too tight to call for my liking. Uh, I'd be nervous going into it to be honest with you from a Cork point of view. But you know, um, I, I, I <laughs> yeah, I mean, you're. You, I suppose the other, the other, like plus for Cork as well. The last day, now I noticed like Antrim did tire a little bit. Was they, they brought on Jack O'Connor and he did look very lively, and. Um, he, you know, hasn't um, hit the heights that he hit last summer, but so he, like, obviously he's got pace to burn, and um, he, he, you know, he, he, like the the setup for the goal, um, you know, he, he ran, he ran the length of the fit, ran the length of the pitch there, and um, he could he could be an option as well that um, could be, you know, get tired legs because there's a lot, there's a, there is like there is a lot of mileage on the clock in some of those Galway players back there, so. Um, like the last thing you'd want to be seeing is, um, you know, pace coming on with, um, you know, if the games in the melting pot was um, ten or fifteen minutes to go. And so, all, yeah. all Kingston's options are, seem to be forwards, James. Don't tell like there are other guys putting their yeah. hands up and hitting form. Yeah. It's kind of the other end of the pitch, he'd love to have a more solid uh, feel about them. I think O'Donoghue was, depending on whether he makes it or not, I, I think he's going to be a big loss if if he's out. And um, I'm not really like you're looking at the options. What they're going to do is like it's probably Cahillan coming back and. You know, um, I, I, I think he's limited enough, and yeah, it's defensively for Cork really is the is the concern, and um, I, and particularly for me, Whelan, I I, if, I just I, I'd be nervous about um, about the damage that Whelan could potentially do, um, but I suppose we wait and see what happens. Yeah, yeah, I think it's a fascinating fixture. I think the key point up here in Galway has been who's the leader of this Galway attack after the Leinster Hurling final, because there was an awful lot of miscues, particularly in that third quarter against Kilkenny. Um, Claire Whelan had a great opening period, like Keenan Fahey, but kind of died as the game wore on. There was no one really in that forward line that really put the hand up to really say that they were the leader of this forward line unit. I think from a Galway perspective, that will be the curious question that people will be asking themselves and Turtis. I suppose for Cork as well, the pace, if they can establish the run game, particularly in that middle third, I think there's still genuine concern here in Galway in terms of maybe pace issues down the middle uh, for Galway. So I think it's fascinatingly poised. I think though Shefflin, oh, I'd say he's absolutely done his homework on Cork. You know, no stone left unturned. I think he might say one or two changes from that Galway side in the Leinster Hurling final because there were certain players that didn't perform in the Leinster Hurling final. That's probably been duly noted by Shefflin. And I think you might see maybe a David Burke come in from the start particularly in that wing forward position. So I think I'm just going to edge this to Galway, but again, I wouldn't be surprised if this meant extra time here, guys, because these two usually put on thrillers anyway. I'm expecting nothing more on uh, Saturday. 
the thing with Galway as well is that he, 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 in the Leinster final, like they did bring they, they did bring aggression to it, but it was just like uh, stupid aggression, um, is what they what they call it, and um, you know, oh, it's um, completely wild, James. Wild, like, yeah, wild. yeah, yeah. Um, so like they're probably they're probably the f- we're kind of I suppose we're kind of glancing over what was happening in the Leinster final but if we, if we were to take the championship as a whole so far they're probably more consistent than I know they obviously had to draw the first game against Wexford but I thought they were decent that day it's just that they you know they, they let that one slip their form has been generally more consistent than Cork's um, it's yeah so tough to read um, uh, you know uh, it could go, it could go either way, and your call could be spot on, Mark. Maybe, maybe extra time will be required to separate these two sides on, on Saturday. I suppose, guys, we've dodged it for forty-five minutes in this podcast, but I suppose we might have to talk about certain disciplinary matters that surfaced uh, end of last week into this week. I suppose Rory and James. Uh, I suppose for Rory Hayes, Peter Duggan, Keenan Fahey, clear to play on Saturday, but it's. Left a very unsavoury taste in the note, hasn't it? In terms of the disciplinary panel process, how they, how the suspensions were communicated. What's been your feeling here, Rory? Particularly from a Clare perspective, uh, what has been kind of the overriding feeling from your perspective, and what could we do to improve this disciplinary process? Because it seems to be clearly flawed at the moment. Yeah, like and, and last week we we kind of skirted around the issue in that we kind of thought it was all, you know, done and dusted, and that. Um, you know, the the Munster final, we all said, like, leaving the ground, everyone had the impression, what a game, and tough, but nothing really, nothing really over the top. And then the Sunday game, of course, had had highlighted a couple of, of incidents, and people in Clare felt that, you know, that there was incidents both ways, and one team was, was shown, so there was a bit of that anger going from that. But then um, John Fogarty, the examiner, on the Tuesday, so mentioned that, it was the only journalist that wrote an article saying that the CCCC were going to be looking into into Clare players, well, you know, and uh, nobody else had anywhere had read with it. So, like, the, the question is, how did he know? I'd be wondering, how did he know on the Tuesday? Because the next we heard of it was on, on the Friday evening. And uh, it's just, I just think for if that's the way the players found out or management found out through newspapers, you know, that's, that's you know, there's a lot of question marks, I think, about the whole the whole procedure of it because, the question like genuine GA fans are wondering is, are they reviewing every game? Or was it just because the Sunday game highlighted these issues? Have they gone through like the Munster Championship games and Leinster Championship games that have been played so far and deemed no issue worth revising? So are they saying these are the first incidents? So that would be the first question. If that's the case, why don't they say after every game, the CCC have looked at the Cork Tipperary game and have decided there is no incidents that warrant action? Why isn't that said after every game? So the question then is, is it a selective process? That's what people are wondering. Are they selectively looking at high-profile games or incidents that have been highlighted in the Sunday game? Because that's what seems to be the case. And then the third thing was uh, the communication. Like, surely there's a standard way of communicating if this is going to happen. And it was just kind of left hanging all week. And then it was the, they were proposed bans. And then from what we hear, the way it was dealt with, that the meeting took place via emails. Now, Sure, we know ourselves, like, if you're going to have a meeting where you have to debate issues and talk about was there circumstances involved and all that, like, doing it by email is, is farcical. And um, if that was the case, and it seems that it was Galway that got wind of this, um, I think the CCCC can only you know, blame themselves for the whole thing falling apart here. 
because if they want to be taken as a serious disciplinary board, um, like their, even their names, you know, the competition controls committee, like it's not much of a control of the competition if if that's the way they're dealing with incidents. So yeah, look, um, that's the only thing. Like, so I, I think they need to set out a clear, whatever, a clear path of rules and procedures. Um, this is what we'll be looking at. This is when we you we, you will hear from us. Um, we'll communicate directly with management. Um, no leak into papers and do things properly. Like because people have have lost faith in this. And the question going forward now is, are they going to be reviewing forensically the games left in the championship? Um, and also we just pointed out then. Let's say for example, the Clare Limerick game because there were so many kind of monster final loads of camera angles and, and all of that. Um, does that make those teams more vulnerable than Wexford versus Kerry last weekend, where there might have been only one main camera? Because they're still both games in the championship, and if you're going to treat one, you know, with a, a microscope, then I think every game should be treated the same way. So either have set up a, a procedure where all these games are reviewed, and there's no reason as well why the CCCC can't have, let's say, a VAR-like system where they're reviewing the games live as they happen, noting incidents as they happen. And um, you know, and then maybe coming back after is not to stop the game or anything like that. I think we're a bit down the road from that. But rather than what seems to be kind of waiting to see what are the headlines coming out of the match and then reacting afterwards, because that's what seems to have happened here. Yeah, because you say you say on the day right that the, the three incidents, if there were you know if they had been spotted, um, you could have been looking at uh, at three reds. I don't think anyone would have, would have complained at the time, but it's just the, it's the process in which this happened. It's it like. It did seem a little bit, you know, tried by media and, um, you know, because they're only picked up then by, to the out, like, we don't know. So, you know, we, we have no idea what, um, like, as Rory said, were they reviewing every game or was it just a case that this was highlighted on the Sunday game and then they decided, like, do uh, you better have a look at these? And, like, the danger as well is that when you're doing, when you're highlighting incidents via media outlets like that, is you don't get the full context of what was going on in a scuffle. You know, generally, like, there's always a bit of... Um, you know, give or take. If a forward does lash out, they generally haven't done that for no reason. You you could have a back that's been pulling at you all game, pulling, and dragging at you, or giving you a dig here and there, and you're just um you know trying to get them off you, um or letting them know that you won't take it. And when when that's shown in isolation, then it can look you know way worse than what it is on the on the day. And that's kind of the feeling that we had after watching the Sunday game. And it's just it really is just a lack of transparency. Like we we don't know was it just those three incidents that were reviewed, or were they reviewing other incidents as well? Like if they had a, a formal process that was there that we'd know, um, you know, th I think that needs to be done for next year. That they need to actually get, um, define what the process is, and we need to make made aware of it um, in advance. I mean, you don't want to be comparing now to, to to other sports because you know you're comparing it to professional games. Like, but rugby seem to have a much better, you know, process for dealing with their sizing. You know that uh, you know X, Y, and Z has been sized, what they've been because we don't even know like. The, you know, or, or I'm not sure which which in, like Duggan was involved in two incidents in in that game. So like which which one was the one that they were actually looking at? I mean, we 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 have no idea. And then you know, like like the thing I'd be worried about then as well is that like I'm hearing that the referees then had a meeting um during the week and like the consensus was that you know Keenan had an excellent game in that Munster final, right? He left the game flow and we had one of the you know one of the best spectacles we've seen in years and. The danger then is that, like, if you if you start, you know, if you start like highlighting stuff like this, like we did do on the Sunday game, 
it's like going to come back and the referees and they're under pressure, right? So they're going, to, they're going to start blowing more then. So you can end up then with like what you got for Kenny Galway, which was kind of ruined as a spectacle because it was just free after free after free. And, you know, I think everybody came out of that game, the Munster final, saying that, you know, that Keenan played a big part in how that game, you know, developed as a spectacle. And uh, that's another thing for me that's, you know, the, you're, you're adding undue pressure on the referees with this. And um, just the whole thing was was handled badly, and and the same thing then with um, how how the, the lads get off then on, a, on you know on a technicality like their their rule book is sort of and this is going back like with the same thing with in 2017 Gleeson had a blatant uh, you know pull on Luke Mead's helmet and you know was banned for the final, but then he was you know he was he he, he then made the final. You'd like not to be singing players out now, but like if you're like from a clear point of view, you'd be looking then saying, look at Keane Lynch in last year's All Ireland final for the the judo throw. We'll say like if that wasn't even looked at then, but why are these three incidents then looked at? And uh, I I don't know the, the the whole process. They've a they've a lot there that they could that they could work on. And uh, the most important thing for me would be a, a defined process and a transparency to that at least that supporters would know. And because uh, even the timeline with it, like um, mm-hmm. it's very hard to prepare for a game when you, you know you don't know. Or, the guys out when when is the hearing going to be you know at least you'd have a timeline in other sports when they if someone's been brought up uh, you know in soccer with the you know they go before the the fa disciplinary committee you know when the hearing is you know what they're going up against so you can you can kind of plan around that but this is all very um kind of cloak and dagger and mm-hmm. geez, it's nearly like to get any information it's nearly like you need an insight yeah, i think know, the whole haphazardness of it is uh, probably yeah there. yeah, but, yeah. Um, in a way, like if they did things properly and had the same setup for every game, I think uh, it is important that there is a retrospective look at games. I know people are saying, oh, don't look back at games. But let's say, for example, from a clear, let's say Tony Kelly is taken out off the ball with a 30 injury and he's to leave the game, or Lee Chin is the other end, like, and you're a fan of Clare or Wexford, you want to think that if, let's say, there was a, a dirt involved in either instance, like you want to think that there will be, you know, so, something that's going to happen down the line for it. It's just that it has to be clear. What way the CCCC are, are reviewing these games? Um, what is the, as as you were saying, James, having a timeline? Uh, on Monday they announced they're going to their review, and on Tuesday they announced what players would be brought in for a hearing. You know, and that would be, you know, so again, like we have to remember as well, like amateur players as well, that you know they can't like like rugby say, okay, we're gonna have a hearing Wednesday at twelve o'clock because these guys are working everything as well. But just you know, so the timeline with their hearing is a bit different compared to professional sport. But at the same time, I think it needs to be sorted out and clear. And I'm sure, I'm sure they they can all attend an online uh, hearing if possible, or uh, even though that may have been a problem with the CCC as well. <laughs> well and, check yeah, the rule book there, Rory. I'll tell you. <laughs> what happens is. <laughs> When it's a haphazard like this as well, it kind of leads them to kind of, I don't know, rumours and allegations. And there was a lot of people in Clare saying, oh, the only reason now that this has been pursued is because the chairman is a Wexford man and he wants the players suspended for the Wexford game. And look, sure, we don't know whether there's any truth in that, but it, the fact that, you know, it just, it just seems there was no explanation really. Um, it looked a bit kind of, it was the first time, first weekend, let's say, where there was any announcement of retrospective action being taken on players. So look, it does add fuel to rumors like that. Then, but if there's a clear procedures, clear procedures under from the very start, known to all the fans, known to all the management and players, and kind of follow through every game, then there wouldn't be an issue. I think. Hundred percent. And you, and you like you you said like nobody wants wants a situation where you know 
you know, if there if there are serious incidents in a game, that they're, they're just brushed over. But it's just like it's the lack of transparency here and the lack of any sort of process that um, I think that really that's what um, that's where the anger and it's just there's, there's just no consistency with it either. Like and and they need to tighten up, as I said, they need to tighten up their um, their rule book as well because it's. Do you like, I mean, um, anyone that does, uh, like, like I remember going back years now was um, in the football that uh, Anthony Lynch was, for Cork, he was, we were playing Kerry and um, he he threw a punch like and uh, he got off in a technicality because he, he didn't connect and <laughs> Frank Murphy was uh, able to say that, uh, you know, he, he, you, you, they couldn't, they couldn't ban him for, um, uh, in, 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 like, so he, he threw the punch and he, he just barely missed. And so he got off the technicality. He didn't connect. Basically, that there wasn't a punch. That was only um, a, a, an act of um, looking to punch or whatever. But sort of like sure that was only another rubbish. Like, but it, it was they didn't have the rules tightened up. You know, it seems to be every time now that there's um, a player up that could be you know brought up for retrospective action, it seems very easy to get them off. It's always a technicality, isn't it? it seems to me anyway. And the other incident as well with the CCCC this year was when Clare appealed Ian Galvin's suspension. Remember that the CC came out and said that they had been approached by someone from Clare and that the meeting was going to be cancelled. And that seemed really strange because they announced saying it wasn't anyone from the management, it wasn't any player, it wasn't anyone from the from the county board. So like who was it then? Like just a random fan. So if a random fan can ring them and ring somebody and have that much influence that they have to cancel the meeting. Like you just yeah. imagine that if if a random fan rang you and said, Here, find this lad not guilty, whatever you just tell him get lost and hang up, like but just, make a big deal about them, they cancelled the meeting and everything. Just like uh, from the very start, the CCCC here, just they don't seem to be a body that inspires confidence at the moment. And uh, No, that's it. That's it. There's, there's lack of trust there from um, from supporters yeah. and, and everyone else. And that's the thing really that they need to, um, they need to, uh, you know, to get sorted out because... Maybe after the quarterfinals, you know, there is a gap to the semifinals that they can just lay out some clear rules. So there's only three games left and say, this is the way it's going to be for yeah. the last three games. And at least then... Hopefully, like, yeah. Because if, you, you, like, you, if, if we did have that transparency, I don't think anybody would have had any, um, you know, qualms about, you know, the, the, the players. If we had that transparency, we didn't, like, so, you know, then you... These rumours then start flying around, and I'm sure nobody's nobody's any the wiser then. I think you hit the nail on the head. It's transparency really across the board. I suppose any changes to the disciplinary process will have to go through Congress, and that quagmire of trying to get legislation or rules passed. But I think it's just the whole communication. I think there's case studies there on other sports. Particularly, I'm looking at the RugbyLeague.com website here in terms of the disciplinary process. It outlines who the panel are, who are basically looking at each of these games on a Monday morning to then provide judgments. Everything is then literally very transparent to clubs, teams, supporters, and then whatever appeals process. Actually, clubs have also the option to report instances on rugby league games. Don't know if we go to that stretch, but I mean, you can see the transparency in terms of that and then the whole verdict, the judgments uh, being very, you know, very transparent this whole kind of white smoke in terms of these three players i think was awfully unfair to those three players and i think to the ga president gahq this has to be the time to really look at things from a disciplinary i'm thinking about the armad donegal football at the start of the year where there was mass suspensions and then armad challenged and got guys literally off for that as well where donegal maybe one or two of them didn't bother to appeal and you know, what does that say about the culture there in terms of 
the whole process that you can tackle the process and probably get off in a technicality. So that's I think for so many, that's why so many um, there there are so many appeals. I mean, you'd you'd look back like a um, you'd look back as uh, with, with a lot of, with a lot of stuff really like this. Nearly always now, just a team, even if they know they're doing the wrong, they'll they'll go they'll chance an appeal because then um, there's a good chance that they'll get off on it. Like so, you'd kind of admire saying like you look back. Uh, when Milan got sent off that time against Waterford, he, he just took his medicine. You know, to, he he uh, he's like he ruled out himself that um, they weren't going to pee. But uh, any day now, or uh, any game now, where there's um, any sort of um, uh, action against the player, you, it, you know it's going down the appeals process, and there's there's a there's a decent chance they'll get off. I say the stats nearly fifty-fifty, and let's get off for appeal. Like fifty-fifty chance if you appeal, it seems to be yeah. stats. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Suspensions is as many guys getting off. So, but like you, 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 you kind of highlighted there the, the rugby league where, where you know there's a meeting going on at nine o'clock on a Monday morning. If we knew that, even if we'd known that that, that was going on, you know that it wouldn't have been so much more of an uproar then. But the fact that it just seems like you're like did like nobody really, really paying attention to CCCC all season, and all of a sudden then it's just <laughs> here they are, you know. Um, so that's just. I don't know. Yeah, like it's as we said, their transparency is to get their house in order, make make the pro- get the process defined, get a structure in place, and make it transparent so everyone knows what's going on there. Um, like you just said there, Mark, you, you looked up their rugby league uh, website, was it, and you, and everything is there. Anybody can go on and they can see exactly what's going on. Exactly, and and that's even on the field affairs, off the field affairs. You go onto the GA discipline website here and. It's very bullet pointed, but it's very amb- amb- ambiguous, the language. So I think it's almost from a GAHQ. They're almost having to hurt legal minds here to really look at this rule book and the disciplinary process to really kind of close a few of these kind of avenues, really. I think it's not a short term fix, I don't think, for GAHQ, just given the historical problems with the disciplinary process. And it really does let down the product. Do we want to even talk about the All-Ireland Minors semi-finals here, uh, Rory and James, maybe quick predictions? Uh, from yourselves, uh, Claire Offley, uh, tomorrow night in Turles. Uh Rory, what's what's the head saying in the heart? Offley have been the standout team in the championship so far. Um, as we saw there in the Leinster final, half-back line, Guyne and Kavanagh and Shirley, the two wing-backs, flying forward with pace. You've, Ravenhill at centre-forward has been you know, a real handful for teams. And uh, Adam Screeny inside corner-forward has, you know... Um, you know, player, small, small player, but really quick and lovely touch and striking ability. So, um, after going to be favourites for this game, uh, Clare had a great monster campaign, beating Cork down in Parky Rain. Um, epic game with, with Tipperary that we, we know went to penalties, and uh, and a huge win over Waterford as well in the Munster Championship. And the one worrying thing for Clare, I suppose, was a performance against Galway where they were well beaten, and it seems to be an anomaly overall. Because they came back and beat a, a very strong leash team in, in the last round to qualify. So um, you're kind of thinking Clare have, it's been a while since Offaly have played. Clare have had that game under their belts against Leash. Um, I just see it being a really close game again. I'm looking forward to this one now tomorrow night. Uh, just the fact, I suppose, that Offaly like, have been, you know, the, the team everyone has been talking about since the start of the championship. Um, I saw up close there how good they are. And uh, yeah, I, I'm hoping that the likes of, you know, Fiona and Tracy, who's been superb fullback for Clare and you know um the half hour line we mentioned before as well um Jack of Jack O'Farrell there and um you know uh James Oregon and Michael Martin that they can really produce it again because as you mentioned before when the clear half hour line 
are on song, like they're kind of the engine of that team. And the last day as well, I suppose, midfield as well, Dermot Stritch and uh, Matthew Holleran as well, um, really performed as well against Leash and kind of clear dominated that middle third. So look, both teams, I think, evenly matched. Um, just maybe awfully have that, you know, they, they've been that bit more solid. They haven't had a game like Clare had against Galway. They haven't had a, you know, kind of a, a really poor game. So I'd see awfully winning that one. Just very narrowly though, but I wouldn't be at all surprised if Clare win it. Um, such as an eight or under seventeen, and yeah, they, they they're probably as we said going in with that extra game as well. So, but yeah, I think maybe just awfully. Yeah, and James, quickly from you, uh, Tip Galway uh, on the yeah. Sunday in uh, TUS Gaelic Grounds in Limerick. That looks an absolute cracker. Uh, who do you that fancy in that look, one? That does look like a, a cracker, all right? Um, I, I really alluded to it in the, in the other game is the same day. With Offaly, is that tipper line idle for a while now? It's in the months since they played, and um, I, I think Galway maybe a bit more like they've had they've had more games uh, lately. Maybe a bit more like obviously tipped it come through a, a long campaign in Munster, but it's managing that break. Difficult as um, it's difficult enough at senior, I suppose, but you don't know at minor. Um, you know, you could say the dual players as well. Maybe a problem with Galway as well. I think there there was a few um, tied up with the football there last weekend, but. I, I, I think the um, I, 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 N- looks the standout player for me for, for for out of the out of both teams really, and I just think the um, tip sitting on their hands for the for the month. I, I think that's going to catch him. I'm leaning towards Galway, but um, I wouldn't be at all surprised if Tipman either. But I, I'm going to give a, a hesitant nod to Galway. Yeah, I think I agree with you there on the Galway. I think they may have a little bit too much. From an attacking power perspective, it's just a layoff, I think, for Tiberi might be the issue. And I think same for Offaly as well. I don't know, I just have a sneaky, sneaky submission that maybe Claire might edge it here, Rory, just I given their activity. Same, Mark, yeah. I think it'd be the same. For both, and the reason be for both teams, like, I just think it's difficult to manage that um, that layoff. I mean, there's no, I mean, you know, you can play your challenge matches, right, but there's nothing beats. The other thing with Claire as well is they, I know that they were bad against um, against Gollum, they have bounced back. I, I think two very close games, and um, but you could you, you could make a case for you know for could go either way, but uh, yeah, very hesitant not to clear and 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 Galway in both games. Yeah, and, and as, I suppose that that gap is a factor as well. Like I, with under seventeen, something I've said a while here, getting consistency off them. You know, at that age, like guys, you, you don't know how their week has been, and all that. now the fact they're off school as well and holidays, that you don't know how they're spending their their free time. At least when things were routine and structured. You know, it was easier for, for management to kind of get them in some sort of a, a match day routine. But, you know, I suppose all that has to be factored in now as well. And whichever team handles it better. Um, yeah, look, as I said, I don't think there's going to be anything in the Offaly. Clearly, it's going to be a cracking game tomorrow night. Great way to start the weekend. Feast of Harlan for the next 24 hours then um, after that. But uh, just the fact that like, uh, I've seen Offaly up close and I, I did kind of tip them to win the All-Ireland earlier. So I can't now go back and even though I'd love... Clare, obviously, I'll be supporting them tomorrow night. Um, love Clare to, to turn them over and get to an Ireland final. It'll be huge for, for Clare underage. But, um, yeah, I think Offaly are, are the team to beat in this championship and have been from, from day one. I heard Leo, Leo O'Connor was talking there during the week um, and he was really just talking about the clubs he was involved with um, on the Limerick side of things as well when they were Limerick were getting their house in order back in you know, 2010, 2011 or whatever and putting the structures in place. And they're doing, he said that they, they're not from granting for anything with the county board the county board have been outstanding with them like and they're looking to put the same kind of structures in place there in Offaly and um, 
but he was kind of uh, was kind of highlighting the fact that it's not all about the winning your Ireland at that you know so like because that Limer- obviously Limerick you know they did put the structures in place and it's really like like getting the strength and conditioning right getting your getting your training uh, regiment right and getting like building leadership into the into the players and he spoke like quite impressive actually to listen to and um you'd, you'd be like it's it's good good signs for Afri. like they, they've been down for 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 too long now really and um it'd be nice to see them um making um making inroads there again you know and I, I worked with Leo under 16s a few years ago and he, he's a great manager like and uh he, he's got he's done a tremendous job but awfully no more so than Brian O'Connell with Claire as well so look it is the, it's really time consuming what they have to kind of go through as well and it's it's not like with a senior outfit where you have a huge backroom team you know kind of doing taking a lot of the load off the manager the manager is left with a uh, a lot to do. I know uh, Limerick manager Kevin O'Hagan as well, very close with the team this year. And it is a huge task at, at under-17 level because a lot does fall on the manager. And uh, Leo has done a tremendous job, as you said, just getting the structures in place and awfully. And uh, and look, it's bearing fruit already for them. And uh, Brian O'Connell as well, kind of picking up Claire from the position where they were, you know, in after a real heavy defeat last year and to get them picked up into a position where they're facing to Ireland semi-final, like tremendous job as well. So well done to, to both of them. Absolutely. No feast for Ireland, as you say, Rory. And we'll probably just leave it there. Thanks very much, uh, Rory and James, for coming on tonight. And next week, we'll review all that action and look ahead to the All-Ireland semi-finals for the next few weeks. All right. Until Thank then, uh, thanks very much, guys. this podcast episode. If you liked what you heard in this podcast, why not subscribe to the Hawkeye Psychic podcast on either Amazon, Spotify, YouTube, or Twitter platforms. You can also follow me at Hawkeye Sidekick on Facebook and Twitter for the latest sporting opinions, articles and reports.